Uh, what got you there with got you got you? What got you there with Shonda Laney? 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 What's going on, folks? Thanks again for tuning in for another episode of What Got You There. Today, we're fortunate enough to be joined with Quint Kesnick. Quint's a sports broadcaster for ESPN and ABC Television. Quint has covered multiple sports, including lacrosse, basketball, football, hockey, wrestling, and even horse racing. Quint's a former four-time All-American goalie for Johns Hopkins. He was also the two-time winner of the Ensign C. Marklin Kelly Jr. Award as the nation's best goalie. Quint's also in the Johns Hopkins Athletic Hall of Fame. Hey, Quint, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. So, Quint, we'll dive right into it. So, one thing I'm interested in is, how'd you start your day today? Today, I woke up at 6.32, uh, went downstairs, checked my emails, checked my Twitter, checked all that stuff, started making my daughter's lunch, made breakfast, uh, cleaned up around the house a little, drove her to school, came back, wrote my article for about an hour and a half uh, that appears in the Baltimore Sun every Friday, worked on that, went to the gym, just got back, uh, did an hour of upper body, which is uh, you know one of my standard workouts. And now I'm going to do a little more article writing. My, my Friday piece is due every Wednesday, end of day. So to, I'm on deadline today. Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, I know my time I've spent with you. I've just seen how motivated, how driven you are. And it seems with so many things that you have going on, you have to be pretty regimented. And then even I know that you mentioned your schedule is kind of sporadic. So how do you keep all that in check and get everything done for the week? Well, you know, I've, I've got a... a my, my monthly calendar, and then I have a daily list of, of things that I got to get accomplished. You know, I kind of look at it for my, for my personal health and, you know, family comes first. Uh, my workouts are very important to me from my, my own sanity and, and, and my health. And then work comes after that. Uh, at my age now, I, I find I'm most creative in the morning, uh, afternoon hours. I'm not as effective in terms of work. Uh, and then I'm, I'm good again, uh, early evening. So, you know, I try to do some of the, the hardcore work, the real brain work early in the day, whether it's writing uh, or, or studying athletes. Uh, and, then, and then later in the day, I'll typically watch more film when, when my mind is tired and, and, and take notes. So in between, I'll, I'll get a workout and, and, you know, spend time with my family. Uh, I, I think when you segmentize things, you're just more effective. You know, you, it can't be all grind, grind, grind. You've you got to get out and, and smell the tulips, get fresh air. You know, I, I try to do work outside as much as I can. Uh, and, and being, you know, being basically self-employed, I'm not self-employed, but I, I make my own schedule. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a curse, but it's also a blessing. So you just have to be wary of, of not falling behind in any projects. Like right now on my desk, I've got, you know, Denver, Ohio state, I've got a wrestling file. I've got my, my, uh, the articles that I have to write my polls. So there's, there's a lot going on. I got a hockey pile for later on in the month. So there's a lot going on at once, which keeps me fresh because you, I'm not stuck in one sport. I, I I don't envy the, the guys who cover one sport all year long. No, that's some great advice. And as I've gotten a little older as well, it seems like I need to kind of segment things just like you mentioned and then get out and smell the roses. So that's great hearing come from you. Um, so, I mean, you are one of the most decorated college lacrosse players of all time, but I want to kind of go back to your early days. And when did you first really begin excelling in lacrosse? And then what other activities did you excel in at a young age? Well, I started playing, I have two older brothers and they're, I don't know, six and eight years older than I am, I think, or six, yeah, six and eight years older. And, and so when I was super little, this is like three, four or five years old, if I wanted to play with them, 
and their friends in the backyard or the driveway or the, or the street, I had to play goalie. So, you know, my, my, my first, uh, I replaced a garbage can, uh, in the hockey goal <laughs> in our driveway. And, and so that was kind of standard. So I, I always played up, so to speak. And, 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 uh, I got skillful and, and good fast that way. Uh, just because that's, that was the law of the jungle. You know, it was either it was survive or, 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 or you don't play. You sit inside and you watch them and you cry at the window. Uh, so that's really how I started. Then I started playing formal lacrosse in our town. The Limburg Titans had a great rec program that started in the late sixties. And I played, I think my first year of, of official was when, when I was in third grade. And I think we'd had two practices a week or maybe three and, and, and one game and playing with your friends in our town. Uh, we actually, you know, our, our program was so good. We started borrowing kids from other towns too, who, who, whose towns back then on Long Island didn't, didn't all have lacrosse. So, you know, Scott Hiller, guy who played at UMass and the USA team, we were rec league, uh, teammates of the Moses brothers who played at Hobart. They ended up going, uh, I think to St. Anthony's or Holy Trinity, uh, you know, they were with us. So we, we, we had a, a very talented bunch at, at a young age. Okay. That's great. Uh, some of those mentors you had in early coaches, who, who were the ones that influenced you the most, but more importantly, what did they really do at that age to kind of influence you and help you along a better path? Well, I'm, I'm, I've, I, our high school, Limburg high school, I was very lucky. Um, and all along the way I had, had really good coaching coaches and whatever the sport, you know, I, I played football initially, then I switched to soccer. And then when I was a senior in high school, I played both soccer and football and, and I wrestled throughout wrestling really was my primary sport until about 11th grade. Uh, and then lacrosse, but you know, the coaches in, in our town, I was so fortunate because they were all, they were more about effort and attitude than they were about, you know, little minutia things like techniques. And they just wanted us to love it and to play hard and, and what, what, regardless of the sport. So a guy like Larry Glenn's, who was my, uh, lacrosse coach, but growing up, you know, I, I was the manager of the varsity wrestling team when I was in second and third grade, and he was a guy I looked up to quite a bit. My high school wrestling coach was Neil Giordano, and and his his influence is is constant. Uh, you know, th- th- these were these were coaches who 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 lived and worked in those communities for for decades, and and they did it because not for the money, they did it because they loved doing it, and they were very successful. and And I was just kind of lucky to be in that town at that time. Well, that's great. And two things that just really resonated with me is you mentioned playing up at an older level. I feel like today so many kids are so afraid of playing up and outside their comfort zone. And then also how you mentioned it, it's about the work ethic. And I feel like so many people today are looking for that magic pill and just, oh, we need some magical offense to make this team successful. But hearing from one of the most successful people in this sport, it's all about that hard work and then also challenging yourself and playing up. So that's great to hear. Yeah, you know, it it was a different era, though, Sean. You know, because the club system was was non-existent, and even even off-season lacrosse was non-existent. So you played amongst your friends, and anytime you know in a community, ages are going to vary. So I played with a lot of my brother's friends, and and played with some kids who were even younger than me along the way. So it was very organic uh, and authentic. It wasn't helicopter mom getting us in the soccer van and driving us to <laughs> practice. Oh, I got you. That's great. What about some of the most memorable moments during your early days? Obviously, you were fortunate enough with this amazing youth program with Lindbrook. And what about some of the high school and then also early college days? What do you remember the most? Well, I remember when our, our rec league program took a trip to Maryland uh, and, and we beat Cockeysville and, and I scored the, the, the winning goal as a midfielder. Back then, I, I play a midfield half and then a goal half. Some years, I actually didn't even play goalie. 
I, I didn't go goalie full time until ninth grade, but but that was a memory because you know we'd heard of these great skillful Maryland teams. We came down here and, and, and beat them, so that was fun. Uh, you know, wrestling wise, I, I remember winning my first tournament when I was in sixth grade and the rush that was and being able to hang the 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 bracket, you know, the chart up and up in my my room. You know, I weighed eighty pounds and I won the weight class. I won five matches, uh, and 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 all of a sudden I realized, oh okay. You know, I, I can do this. You know, all, everything I do here is this is fun, and and, and I get a, I get a trophy. This is great. Hmm. And then and then you know one of the most fun experiences of my life and and a memory. I'm so glad. My senior year, I decided to uh, to to play football again. You know, because I wasn't the biggest cat in the world. So in in uh, seventh grade, I switched to soccer and played soccer goalie all throughout high school. But as a senior, I was kicking field goals, and then when soccer ended, I played nose guard. And tight end and return punts. And I'm just so glad I did that, you know, just to play amongst my friends, to play high school football. Uh, and it, I just, I find it mind boggling now that kids specialize when, when that was an experience where I was so, so far out of my comfort zone that there was growth because of that. You know, you, you can't get growth when you, when you just stay in your lane, you got to take chances and you have to fail. And, you know, while it wasn't perfect, I mean, you know, I missed a tackle here and there, but I was in the action and, and I was challenging myself uh, in a way that I, I never would have dreamed of a couple of years earlier. I mean, you mentioned playing multiple sports uh, today with how many kids are so solely focused on one sport. I, I know it's a tough balance and parents ask me all the time if a kid's trying to get recruited, say specifically for lacrosse, do you think it's going to hurt him playing multiple sports or are you looking more long term and the benefits of that over the course of your lifetime? Look, there's very little about the way I, I grew up that I, I would change. I, I, I use those skills, those time management skills, and I, and I use the lessons learned from losing in the high school state wrestling tournament. Uh, I, I use the lessons of dropping back the field to punt against New High Park my senior year. My hands were frozen from sticking him in the ground as a nose guard and wondering how I was going to catch this ball and not fumble it and lose the game for my team. I mean, there's so many lessons along the way, interactions with, with, uh, with classmates, teammates, with coaches, the exposure you get to different leadership styles, you know, being a multi-sport athlete, I say it all the time. It prepared me for life. Did it prepare me for college lacrosse? Maybe it helped. Yeah, it definitely helped. I mean, when, when you wrestle in a big wrestling match and then you go out and and you're playing goalie in front of 10,000, 5,000 people, it's, it's, you know, it's not that nerve wracking. Honestly, the wrestling is, is a lot more nerve wracking than, than playing lacrosse. So th those experience carried over, but more so they carried over into what I do now and, and, and just the ability to, uh, you know, stay on task. Can we dive more into that senior year match with wrestling? I, I, I would just love to hear your mindset. What yeah. was going through your head then? Well, you know, it's a long story. Uh, I was pretty, I wrestled varsity in eighth grade. I won the sectional qualifier, but then I never, I didn't wrestle well in, in the sectionals in the Nassau counties until my junior year. I was in the finals. Guy slammed me on my head, uh, Mike Bevilacqua. And, uh, we, me and my dad decided that we were going to let him wrestle in the States. Well, he went up to the States. He won the States. He ended up wrestling at Penn state, came in third in the nationals. So, you know, the next year as a senior, uh, there was, you know, I don't know, I wouldn't say there's pressure, but expectations were that I'd win you know, the Long Island Championship. And I was able to win the Nassau County Championship. Uh, and then I, I lost in the States. And it was it was real disappointing uh, the way it ended. You know, you put a whole life life in wrestling. And I knew that was my last match. And uh, having had the lead for most of the match and getting reversed with under 20 seconds to go, uh, that 
honestly, that that loss sticks with me more than than any lacrosse game or any lacrosse play ever by far, like a hundred times to one. Uh, lacrosse is a team game. You know, there was always another game coming up for me in lacrosse, whether it was in college or pro and even now. But but that was a final moment. I mean, I I will never be on the wrestling mat again. And so I'm stuck with that moment for the rest of my life. And, and it still drives me. Wow. No, that's that's unbelievable hearing that story. And then, I mean, I think it's great that you get to go out there now and and still work with all these wrestling teams during your broadcasting days. Who who are some of the, the wrestling, uh, both coaches and then players who you just admire and, and love watching both competing on the mat uh, during the match and then also in their preparation? Are there any guys that really stick out to you? Well, I mean, th- th- these guys are a different breed. Uh, you think about the dominant programs, you know, Kelsey Anderson and what he's done at Penn State. And it's almost like an Olympic development model uh, where he brings in high-end kids. And, and his, his philosophy, he, he, you know, he's more like a Lars Tiffany would be to lacrosse. He's very much into the importance of relaxing and breathing and not overthinking things, just being reactionary on the mat and, and rolling and being natural and fluid. Uh, you know, Tom Ryan is, is a guy that I, I wrestled with as, as a youngster. Uh, he was in a, from a neighboring town. He wrestled at Wontaw, which is a lacrosse town, Long Island. People know it. He actually played lacrosse until sophomore year of, of high school. And, and uh, we used to joke about how, how bad his stick skills were. But he ended up going to Syracuse to cancel the program, and, and he transferred to Iowa. So we're in college together. I'm like, Tom Ryan's going to Iowa? I'm like, I'm like how is he going to wrestle there? And next thing you know, Tom Ryan's wrestling for the national championship two years later. And I'm like, whoa, that kid's got something inside that you can't pinpoint. Well, he went on to be the head coach at Hofstra, built that program up, and now he's at Ohio State. Uh, they, they won an NCAA championship a bunch of years ago, and uh, they won the Big Tens last week. He, he's an amazing guy. He knows Seth Tierney. He knows you know that, that whole Hofstra coaching pipeline real well, and, and he's tight with Coach Nick Myers at Ohio State on the lacrosse side. So though, though, he, he's a guy that, that I have tremendous respect for. And the last two would be John Smith, Oklahoma State. Who I've seen in the wrestling room now, he's a little older than I am. I've seen him just abuse 19 and 20 year olds, like <laughs> who, who, are, who are twice his weight. And it's the most amazing thing. I'm like, how does he do that? You know, the balance, the timing, the just the use of the body weight to, uh, to you know, uh, it just, just, I just stood there. I'm like, he just took that NCAA champion and turned him into his back in like 13 seconds. Was, he was, John Smith's a six-time world champ, and that's a guy who's smaller than me, who I would never even look at with, with, with the wrong, with the wrong <laughs> eyes, because he would destroy, he's just, just an absolute destroyer. And, and a fine, I mean, great coach. You know, he's won a bunch of national titles, and he's a super person, but just a badass. Just, just watching that true mastery of someone is, is just... It's, it's artwork. It's, it's unbelievable seeing. And then you were mentioning Tom Ryan. How much of an impact do you think a coach can have on a young athlete like that? Or, or do you think it is internal? It's got to come mostly from that athlete. Yeah, you know, Tom Ryan and Joe Bresci share something in common where they lost a son at, at an early age. And th- they've gone on t- to outstanding coaching careers because they have kept, kept that loss uh, in their mind. And, and they have coached their players like they were their former sons. And, and, you know, the, the coach player relationship's always been huge for me. My dad was a, a three sport coach in high school at Oceanside on Long Island. Uh, football was his main thing then wrestling. He actually started the lacrosse program at Oceanside. And then eventually years later would segue to baseball. But 
yeah, so I grew up on the sidelines. I, I grew up with, with his players and they still reach out and, you know, call me, text me or email me when they see me on TV and, and they, you know, they're like, Hey, you look exactly like your dad. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but you know, so, so I, I'm big on that, that relationship, that the player coach relationship. I, I think that that drives the whole thing, especially in youth sports. Yeah. I know you mentioned coach Bresci and just the impact he had on me in my life. Uh, I mean, I can't speak highly enough about him and, and the way he did coach us. It was, I truly feel fortunate to be able to play for him. And I know you mentioned a few of the teammates you've had throughout the years. Um, is there one you really think just had the biggest impact on you and, and what were the impact that they had throughout your life? That's a tough question. Uh, when I was in high school, it was, it was always the guys who were older than me who were successful and I, and I tried to follow what they did. And then when I got to college, it was kind of overwhelming, both academically, socially, and then learning to play the Hopkins way. You know, I was kind of a free flowing player. And so to give in to the scheme and to realize that I'm part of a bigger mechanism here and, and to do my job, you know, what w- was a challenge. Uh, I had great coaching. I had, you know, wonderful back, back then Hopkins had a staff of like seven or 11 coaches before the NCAA rules kicked in. So I, I had individual coaching every single day of the week by guys like Les Matthews or Larry Quinn, Brian Holman was our goalie coach. Uh, John Krumenacker who passed away was a goalie coach. Uh, Jerry Pfeiffer. I mean, I, I, I was around some, some legends and some really good people. Uh, teammates wise, you know, that, that, that's tough. It, we're just teammates. Uh, Brian Wood always had a, you know, such a, such a workmanlike and stoic attitude. He was never high. He was never too low. Guys like Mike Marl and Scott Marr would stay after practice with me whenever I asked. And, and we'd work on attack shots or feeds to the crease. You know, John Wilkins was always there after practice if I needed some outside bombs. Uh, and, and then my classmates, guys like Dave Halland, who we trained together. You know, we go in the sauna after practice and, and pump out push-ups and sit-ups and jump rope. And, and uh, you know, he was a worker and still is. And, and we're, we still, you know, text each other daily. Hey, what'd you do today? You know, well, I did, you know five sets, eight, 80 yard sprints. You know, we're always trying to one up, <laughs> trying to one up each other. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, so that can, that continues. And, and as you know, the guys you go to college with your friends for life. So, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Those bonds are strong. I mean, you were fortunate to have some, some legendary coaches, some of the guys you were naming there, but I mean, you were a four time all American, which is, is just remarkable to be honest with you. I mean, what do you attribute? I mean, that's, that's a lot on you. That that's internal, right there. I mean, what what were you doing that was just might have been different, or your work ethic? What was it? I mean, four time All American. Well, when I was in high school, you know, I never worried about those the honors. I just wanted to win. And and my dad always said, you know, back when you played in Long Island in high school, if if your season was extended into June in the playoffs, the college coaches would start coming to games. Prior to that, college coaches would never come to your games. And and without summer club you know, it, it, it was tough to get recruited. So for our team to play into June meant that guys on our team would be seen by Brown. And we sent three guys on our team to Brown. The guys on our team would be seen by John Hopkins. The guys on our team would be seen by, by UMass. Uh, and so that was big. And so all we wanted to do was win. And as you're, if you're a goalie and your team wins at the end of the year, they're going to start handing you some, some extra trophies. And, and that's, that's the only thing I look the goalie position, you know, that, that, those trophies mean very little to me, but winning those games and advancing in the playoffs uh, mean, means everything. Some great advice there for some young goalies. 
What about after college? I mean, how did you make that transition from four-time All-American goalie, two-time goalie of the year, to becoming an amazing broadcaster? And I think one of the the forefathers, essentially, in getting lacrosse more mainstream. How was that transition, and how did you prepare for that? Yeah, it was a, it was kind of a lucky break where the guys who were doing Hopkins Radio called me, and and my first year after college, I started doing Hopkins Radio with uh, Howard Mash and Bill Tanton. And then a year later, HTS, which is now Comcast Sportsnet, started broadcasting a you know five game Johns Hopkins package. So I was on that right away. At the same time, the indoor league, which was the MILL, had a, a one shot gig where Lee Felsmo was their play by play guy. This was back when their games were on ESPN two, and uh, getting some pretty good run. They had a double header schedule for one day, so they needed an announcer. So they called me up to Philadelphia. I did a tryout. And I kind of nailed it uh, in terms of my knowledge of the players and just just I, I prepared my my guts out for that, uh, knowing that there was a big opportunity. Uh, I ended up doing my first game up in the Boston Garden. And they liked it so much that they called me the next week. They're like, hey, come on back next week. We're going to put you down on the benches. Uh, Leaf will be upstairs. You'll be down on the benches. And so I did the indoor league there on ESPN2 for, for four or five years. And then that led to when ESPN captured the NCAA championships in 1995. That was my first year for that. So, uh, it just kind of, it was, it was, it was a break. You know, I tell kids all the time and young broadcasting, like take every opportunity, whether it's in your sport or out of your sport, prepare like hell for it and give it a shot. And if it doesn't work out, no big deal, but, but, but you got to go for it and you got to get the tentacles out there. So if there's a minor league baseball play by play job open, uh, you know, get in the mix. If there's a, they're looking for a volunteer at Towson basketball to, to talk on the PA, do that. You know, you, you can't do enough, you know, no give you the job on college game day at the start. And, and so the good announcers have to work their way up unless of course they're, you know, like a Tom Brady type or a Peyton Manning type who, who are anointed, uh, who will be anointed, you know, as, as TV announcers when, when they're, when they retire. I mean, one thing I always appreciated about you was your preparation. Any game I've ever watched, you knew more about that team than it seems like the own team did. So even from your early days, it seems like you were doing that. So that's just been great to see over the years. What about when you're, you're, I mean, you're working with college wrestlers, football teams, which coach or team program, the way things are done has just impressed you the most. I know you've worked with Clemson, Ohio State football, all of those. Anyone really stick out? Well, on the football side, you know, I haven't covered an Ohio State game and I didn't cover a game there last year, but I was there for signing day. Got to spend the day with Coach Meyer. I worked with him that year. He was in TV. So so we've got a good relationship. Uh, he He's a super guy. Uh, you know, the, I don't think people quite get the sense for their true person that he is from, you know, sound bites and glimpses in the media and, and the game face they see on Saturday because there is a there's a, there's a super person there and he, he treated me great, taught me a lot of football. So, so his program, I always like, uh, visiting the Buckeyes because he gives me great access. I mean, I'm sitting in their war room, um, on the sideline, he's calling me on the field. Hey, what do you think of this kid? Hey, take a look at how we're doing this. Uh, and his staff is, is uh, so welcoming from their strength and conditioning coach to their, you know, their coordinators will, will, will give me tidbits and, and show me stuff. And so I'm always learning. It's very, it's very, uh, I'm immersed there in their culture. You know, I'm not an outsider, so I'm really learning tons and, and it helps my craft. So of all the places I love going there. I mean, you're a pretty high energy guy. 
Would you say preparing for an Ohio State type event gets you the most jacked up? Or is there the college lacrosse final four? Is there one event that really hypes you up more than any? No, the championships are big. You know, whether it's, you know, this year I cover three championships, basically uh, next weekend is, is the NCAA wrestling championships in St. Louis. And you're giving away, you know, there's 10, 10 weight classes. And, and that, that for those individuals, that's, that's maybe the biggest moment of their life. They've been training a lifetime for that moment. And that it's special. They're, they're really good at what they do. We, we got an Olympic gold medalist, Kyle Snyder is going to be wrestling and another bronze medalist this year happened to be. Uh, in college. So, so that's a great event. The, the NCAA, the frozen Four hockey blew my mind. I think this will be my third or fourth year covering it. The, the way those guys compete on every shift and smash each other into the boards and turn around and skate and do it again and do it again and do it again until one team flinches and someone scores you know, to be ice rinkside for that is blew my mind. I was just like, Holy mackerel. These guys, these guys are Man, they're tough. And then the lacrosse championships is 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 a special day. You know, dri- driving into that place to see the crowd, to know, uh, you know, that I've been involved with that game for a long time, and know what it means for the schools and the kids and the parents. Uh, that, that's a special moment. Uh, and 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 then a big time football game. You know, smell the hot dogs at Auburn. Uh, going to do a game at LSU. Going to, you know, just seeing the variety. You know, this year this year I was lucky. I went to eleven different new schools. Uh, to cover college football. I, I thought I'd been every place. And all of a sudden I went to 11 new schools, you know, Washington state, Stanford, Western Kentucky, uh, Kentucky. I'd never been to, that was pretty cool. Uh, it's it just, it's great for me to see America through sports, you know, and I'm very lucky that way. Yeah. That's certain, certainly something I'm envious of about you is the different type of athletes you work with the programs and where you get to go and see. So that's great hearing. So, I mean, one thing I noticed the time we got to spend together is you seem like you are constantly challenging yourself. So what's the most difficult or uncomfortable thing you do each day? Well, I've tried to ramp up the reading. You know, my daughter's uh, in gymnastics now, so there's some time where where I'm sitting watching her. So I've been cranking up the reading. I'm reading this book called The Gift of Failure by Jessica Leahy. That's been really helpful. It's really how how to raise kids. You know, we... uh, we're, we're such great parents that we get in our kids way, you know, whether it's making their lunch or we just help them too much. They, they got to be able to fend for themselves. And that, that's kind of the lesson of that book. Uh, you know, physically I, I challenge myself. I do hot yoga uh, as much as I can when I'm in, when I'm in Baltimore right now, I'm on kind of a, an every other day, my sister instructor that, that crushes me uh, to the core. Um, so that, that sets me right physically. Uh, you know, I've got my garden coming in soon. That that's uh, an outlet for me. That challenges me. Whether it's groundhogs, caterpillars, uh, kale worms, or whatever that, that uh, you know that gets in the way. And, and then, lacrosse wise, the biggest challenges are constantly trying to figure out who our audience is. You know, Paul and I, I watch I watch a lot of these games, and you know, I, I go back and forth. Like, you know, who's our core core audience? Do I want to be talking one four one mumbo, or do I want to be talking about how? passes should be made overhand. And, you know, it, it's, it's a constant push and pull from where I sit as to how do we continue to grow this game? How do we, uh, interact with the audience, stimulate them, don't talk below them or above them. And, and that, that's the fine balance that, that I'm constantly struggling with. Yeah. That's certainly a challenge in this sport. Uh, I mean, you segued perfectly into the parenting aspect. And that's something I wanted to ask you about. I mean, 
me and my wife obviously talking about having a family at some point. What are, can you dive a little bit more into the details, the few of the things you guys are doing as parents to kind of help raise well-rounded kids? Well, it, it's by far the hardest thing. I only have one daughter, so there's no kids here. There's just one. <laughs> she, she's seven right now. Uh, she, by the way, she had a horrible lacrosse experience last summer. Uh, we signed her up for this McDonough camp for, you know, young kids, six to 10 year old girls. And they actually tried to play lacrosse from 9am to 3pm in 95 degree heat. And I couldn't believe it. The first day when she came back, her face was all red and she was like crying. I hate this. I'm not going back. I'm like, oh, 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 take me through your day. What'd you do? All they did was play lacrosse. There was no pool time. There was a little lunch in between. There was no arts and crafts. There was no sit, sit in the shade. And I could not believe that they were grinding a six-year-old the way they did. My fault for not investigating ahead of time, but I have not been able to get her to pick up a lacrosse stick since, uh, and I'm not going to push it. That, that'll come on her time. And, and, and it's just a shame that somebody out there in, in a powerful position who's very successful at their craft doesn't tailor uh, a day camp to a six, seven, and eight-year-old's uh, capabilities. Uh, it just shocks my mind because I know I, I do a young kids camp, six to 10-year-olds at night during the summer at Boys Latin for a week. And it's a struggle to get two hours at them, let alone six. We got to break it up into 20-minute segments. We got to get water balloons out there. We got to get bowling pins out there. We, we got to make it fun. We got to change it up. And you got to keep them moving. Uh, and that's even when it's not 95 degrees. It's a little cooler at night. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. Some of the things I was doing at that age just to kind of help my growth, whether it was climbing trees or just making up games with my friends, I think that had some of the biggest impacts on my life. Um, so I just want to dive one more uh, question for you. What's an idea you had in the last year that you've changed? That I've changed? Hmm. Yeah, whether it be the way you train, the way you prepare, something that you thought wasn't working to the best of your ability, so you've changed it and developed it. Hmm, interesting question. I'm trying to think about my preparation. My preparation for football kind of changed this year because Mark Jones, who's my play-by-play man, uh, and Rod Gilmore, who's our analyst, you know, I realized that so much of the work I was doing was redundant of what they were doing. You know, when you're in a presentation business, you all can't say the same things. And if Rod's watching tape, he's going to see one thing. And then if Mark and I are reading the same articles, we're, we're going to have the same nuggets. It's very important when you're working on a team in, in the presentation business is what we are. We, we present a football game that you're all swimming on or running on different paths. And so I think this year I really had to adjust my game and just take non-standard ways. Make sure I was going to practice. Make sure that, that when I watched film, I was texting Rod saying, hey, what do you got here? And he was saying, well, I like the way their, their line splits on, on the right side are, are, are awkward. So then, then on Friday at practice, I'd ask their coach, hey, why are your line splits uh, different? And, and so in, you know, being an investigator, but not just doing the same work everybody else is doing. And I think that applies to, to athletics, too. You know, when every team I see, like last week I was at Duke, I was at North Carolina. The work ethic's off the charts. You know, the early work, the wall ball, the extra shooting, the weights after practice. Yeah, how are you getting your edge, though? If everybody's doing that, that's par. What are you doing that's different? Uh, you know, I, I, I think that's we live in a world right now where where we're, we're, we're kind of like sheep. Everybody does the same thing and expects different results. I mean, you mentioned doing these different things. Is, is there something you do? You mentioned you're much more creative in the morning that kind of helps spark these ideas. No, no, it's just, you know, again, as I said, as long as I'm, I'm getting my good sleep, uh, taking care of myself on the road is very important. The amount of traveling I do, 
Uh, I'm not a German germaphobe by any means, but you know, I'm, I'm big on, on not getting sick, uh, getting my sleep on the road, making sure I'm hydrated, getting my workouts in. the day off will take care of themselves when my schedule is too busy to work out, which is, which is rare, but, and then, and then keeping it, keeping it fresh and mixing it up, whether it's, uh, running upper body, lower body, full body workouts, whether it's a hot yoga class, a power yoga class, you know, I think variety is key there. And, and that keeps my mind going, quite honestly. And then, as I said earlier, having free time, you know, spending time outside, you can't always, you need creative time to, to you know, the best writers. I just read a book by E.B. White. Uh, it's called uh, Some Writer. You know, he's the guy who wrote Charlotte's Web. Uh, he, you know, he's, he wrote uh, a lot of great textbooks on, on uh, Strunk, Strunk and White's, you know, elements of style he wrote. And he talks in there about the importance in the creative process of sometimes it's just better to get away from it. You know, I'm grinding this article this morning about these thir- the 30 best players in college lacrosse. You kind of reach a wall where another half hour is not going to make it any better. I'm much better going to the gym. I'm much better going for a walk outside. I'm much better weeding my garden. I'm much better, you know, going grocery shopping or to the dry cleaners, getting away from it, and then coming back to it with a fresh perspective. So I think even for athletes, I think if I was a college athlete right now playing lacrosse, my Sunday would look much different. My Sunday would be like a total mental health day. I'd probably go to a yoga class. I'd probably go downtown Baltimore, walk around some of the markets there, buy buy some food for dinner, you know, just get away from it. Because uh, I, I, I think kids are a little burnt out you know, from, from, from the whole deal dating back to high school. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, Quint, this has been absolutely incredible. Uh, unbelievable insights by you. So I can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, definitely want to make sure you're connected with my listeners though. So where can they go to find out more about you? Watch what you're doing. Well, next weekend we have the NCAA lacrosse, uh, excuse me, wrestling championships. Uh, every morning we're on ESPNU, every night we're on ESPN. That's uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday from St. Louis. Then I got Denver, Ohio State on the 19th, 5 o'clock on the U. And after that, it's, it's pretty steady a diet of, of lacrosse uh, other than a little hockey. You, I'm on Twitter. I'm not, I'm not a super active uh, tweeting guy, uh, but they can follow me on Twitter. Uh, and that, and that's, that's, I guess that's about it. We'll be sure to link all those up in the show notes. But Quint, thanks again and best of luck in the upcoming weeks. What sure, thanks, Don. Take care. Uh, what got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with got you, got you? Thanks for listening to another episode of What Got You There. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and also share with your friends. Thanks so much. Looking forward to talking with you next time. If you want to stay up to date on all things I'm working on behind the scenes and everything we've got going on at What Got You There, head over to whatgotyouthere.com. You'll also be able to see more on podcast guests and what they're doing. Thanks to Justin Great for providing us the intro and outro song. If you like his music and want to find out more about what he's working on, head over to justingreat.com.